Hi folks, it's a pleasure today to share with you a few thoughts from the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, a series that we've been doing for some time at this church. It occurred to me the other day that my dad had passed away five years ago. I don't know about you, but sometimes um, it just seems that time passes so quickly after someone close to you passes away. It just seems they're gone a long time very soon. During the last month, I also attended the funeral of a friend and a former work colleague. I won't say who it is, but I'm guessing you'll probably know. The funeral was a huge state funeral conducted in one of our city's foremost cathedrals. Um, the person had exercised some of the highest offices that you can hold in this country. He was a household name. His funeral was attended by three former prime ministers and the current prime minister, the governor general and the previous governor general the current New South Wales Premier and four other previous Premiers of this state and a host of other dignitaries. A couple of days later, COVID being what it is, to complete my grieving with a member of my family, I found myself at the foot of his grave. And yet, despite all the media coverage, all the ritual of his funeral, all of the incredible things he'd achieved, it just shocked me that here he was in the filled space of a suburban cemetery his grave marked only by the flowers that had been on the top of his casket. Nothing made the point to me more than the certainty that everything in life is finite. Every one of us has an end and every day we live in life is precious. Life is a gift that none of us should waste. By most people's standards, my friend did not waste his life. He lived a life that many of us would envy. He was great at sport. He was a valued professional in more than one field. He left a wonderful family. He was known across the world. On the day of his funeral, the future King of England sent his personal condolences to the funeral. But in 50 years time, as wonderful as my friend was, very few will remember him outside his family and colleagues. His name will be a trivia question in a board game. His worldly achievements will have been superseded. People will have to consult whatever the 2070 version of an encyclopedia is to find out who he was and what those achievements were. In this passage of scripture, Jesus asks an incredible question that every one of us has to answer. What, will, what is the meaning of life and why are we here? He said it in these words, what good will it do for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? And he doesn't leave us guessing as to what the answer is, because he answers it straight away. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will find it. I think this is an appropriate time to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of life. And we pray at this moment as we pour through this passage of scripture that you might place on us uh, the importance of what we have been sent to do and that we will have the power of Christ in our lives to make us the kind of people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus that we serve and worship and honour as God personally experienced what it was like to lose his life for something he intensely believed. He knew about that long before it occurred because he knew that that was what he was coming on earth to accomplish. 
He came into this world that was ruled by death that had been caused by sin. And it is this chapter of Matthew in which he breaks the news to his disciples that despite all of their hopes, all the amazing things that they had seen him do, that the climax of his ministry was to be put to death ignominiously by his enemies. As we, as we had this passage read to us earlier, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus' way to victory was very different from any other world leader we know. He was going to take on the battle that none of us could, uh, could win, the battle to defeat death and to make our lives worth living. He boldly tells his disciples that he planned to build an invincible, unbeatable church that would be so strong that even the gates of hell would not stand against it. He knew that the big enemy that we all face is death. Death destroys every single thing that we love and treasure. It removes our worldly achievements. It will inevitably rob us of all of our worldly possessions. It even takes our own lives and it will even take our children and parents from us. But Jesus says defiantly, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now Jesus used the term Hades, which was a term very familiar to the Jewish people of his time. Hades was what many Jewish people called the grave. And just as I said at the beginning of this sermon, graves are an incredibly powerful symbol of how finite we are and how invincible death is. Everything goes there and nothing escapes. But Jesus explains to his disciples that he plans to take the keys of hell and death by dying himself. He personally is going to open the gates of hell from the inside. He gets in by dying and he gets out by rising again. And the gates are now his. In the last chapter of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in the very first chapter, Jesus says this, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. The keys were kept on the inside and that is why he went in. And when he came out, he brought the keys with him and now, from now on, he will build his church. Death will take none and it will keep no one that he wills to save. <clears throat> so how do we figure in this? How does this apply to us? Well, Jesus explains it very clearly, as I said before, in verses 24 and 25. If anyone wishes to come after me, they must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus invites us to share this victory of his, but it won't come without cost. Jesus calls us in these words to join him in losing our life to this world so that we can find it now and in the next. The Apostle Paul put it in this way. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh by live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We'll find that in the book of Galatians. We die with him and we live with him by faith, of course. And in this chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is calling us today to join him in dying to the world and sharing his passion for the spread of the gospel so that we can help him in the task of bringing others through the gates of hell to life with us. 
in the great invincible church. Now, one great fear we should all have is wasting the precious gift of life that God has given us. Uh, one way we can do that, of course, is by investing in things that won't last. And it is amazing how good the things are that don't last. If Jesus were alive today, he might make this point in the words that are used in the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel. A person's life does not consist of the abundance of their possessions. And then Jesus might repeat the parable that he told in the same chapter about a foolish man. He said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. <clears throat> there is no sane person in this world who on their deathbed would be comforted by their worldly possessions. But this world is constantly tempting us to waste our lives. One of the great tragedies of our modern culture is the way in which billions of dollars are invested to persuade people my age to waste the rest of their lives. It's called retirement. And the entire message is you've worked for it, now it's your turn to enjoy it. And what is this it? Well, it's 20 or so years of play or pleasure. The world is literally sinking under the weight of millions of healthy older people Fishing, cruising, playing golf, bridge, bingo, shuffleboard, and collecting shells. All of this in preparation for the fact that we will be meeting the Lord Jesus Christ face to face and all of us will have to explain to him in the face of all we've been doing for 20 years what we did about his incredible sacrifice on the cross, looking at him with the nail prints visible in his hands. Now, I'm not saying that leisure, food and family and stuff like that are evil. They're not. They are gifts that God gives us, but they are not the point of life. Leisure and money and play are what God gives us so that we can show the rest of the world that Jesus is more precious to us than every or any one of these. And the way we can display the supreme worth of Jesus in our lives is by treasuring him above all things and making life choices which show that our joy is not in, the, in, in those things finally, but in Christ himself. Now, I'm pleased to say that I think this is going to be one of the last Sunday sermons that will be preached to an empty church to be shown online, because as we all know, we're hoping to return to church this time next week. I think Tony made an excellent point in his newsletter that he distributed to all of us that it's really tempting to get comfortable with online church. And getting back to church for some of us might be the very first way in which we have to practice the principle of losing our life to gain it and put that into practice. As Tony said, many of us have appreciated the easier and quieter Sundays. And we all know that is not God's intention for us. Apathy, laziness, fear, and our own personal comfort shouldn't tempt us from the responsibility of meeting together and encouraging each other. 
God's Word teaches us the importance of active participation in a local church. Christians must make church attendance a priority in their personal and family schedules and put going to church ahead of other seemingly beneficial activities. Friends, it's been comfortable during COVID to spend church at home, but frankly, for me, it's getting a bit old. It's time to get back to work. It's time to start encouraging each other. It's time to join Jesus in building his invincible church and to return and encourage each other in doing so. So friends, the thought for this week is simple. We need to join Jesus in picking up our cross and losing our life so that we can gain it. We need to make Jesus the highest priority of our lives. One of the ways we'll be doing it this week is making sure that if it's at all possible, we return to church to encourage each other so that we can build this church that Jesus tells us in this chapter will be able to stand against the gates of hell. And frankly, there is nothing more fulfilling in life than that. Is there surely? So I challenge all of us to pick up our crosses, to get on with Jesus and make him the priority of his life as he tells us to do in this chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And thank you for giving me the pleasure of sharing that with you today.